The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games to play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Aladdin and Abu of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who is all style in a vest and little hat. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I am doing just wonderfully i guess it would be the word i'm gonna use i'm doing okay (laughs) i'm doing okay it's another day in the life so you know what can you do what can you say am i i'm a boo right because i think doesn't aladdin wear a tiny hat at some point too he wears a vest and a tiny hat too they both do (laughs) so i was gonna ask you which one do you think you are based off that description Uh, well i'm like Aladdin, not Prince Ali, but so I'm more a boo, I guess. <laughs> I'm your sidekick. <laughs> okay. I didn't know you're like, I didn't know if you're going like, I'm Aladdin, but not the Prince Ali Aladdin, like the quote unquote, using the the terms in the movie, street rat Aladdin. So yeah. I didn't know if that's where you were going with that or if you were going with being a boo. I didn't know where I was going with it. So <laughs> I mean, of the two characters, I prefer a boo. You can be a boo. I mean, uh, sure. Though I did, I do think we had that conversation very briefly the one time about uh, Abu and Iago both not being great characters and how Abu is really not that different. Yes, I, I posed the question, are either of them really any good? Yeah. And I stand by my question. I don't think that necessarily they're either of them are good. <laughs> either of them being Aladdin and Abu or I Iago. Aladdin and too would also not be good. Originally. Oh, or, or, or he's, I guess just... he's redeemed. Yeah, I mean, he... He can be redeemed. That seems good, right? But I feel like if you put Abu back in the Cave of Wonders, he's stealing some gold. Still. Oh, absolutely he is. But I mean, come on. He's he's hungry. He doesn't have like a home can per se. gold and monkeys can't buy food. Why, how do you, why, why are you putting limitations on the capabilities of monkeys here? Okay. If you want to be a store <laughs> owner and take money from a monkey, that's go right ahead. I mean, if chances monkey, are that money is stolen. If the, <laughs> If the monkey walks up and hands me, like, has an apple in their hand and they hand me 50 cents, I'm going to take the 50 cents. And you're going to go to jail for aiding and abetting and receiving stolen goods. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the law, but it sounds like something people say. I think I would have to know to aid and abet. It's a monkey. Where does he get the money from? His day job? <laughs> I mean, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he, I don't know. I just assumed he has legal money. <laughs> so, but hey, that trailer, that was way better than the teaser, right? That was better than the three three teasers they put out. Actual, actually enjoyed the, the trailer. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I don't know that I'm still head over. Like, I don't know that it has won me over yet. No, you can't. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to mess with Aladdin. I think it's easier to, for people our age, I think it's easier to mess with Jungle Book because we don't necessarily have fond memories of it. We just remember seeing it as kids. Right. But we were old enough to know Aladdin and probably have watched it dozens of times to be, you know, that's more precious to us, I think. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know that I could do it today without watching the movie, but like back in the day, like I could recite that entire movie basically from beginning to end without having the movie on. Yeah, I used to like know all the songs, know the timing of them, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I, I agree with you on that. So, yes, interesting. But hey, you know what? We were, I mean, sometimes I wish we recorded our banter prior to starting the podcast because Patreon good, exclusive. Yeah, we maybe we should because my goodness, what a day today has been, hasn't it? It's been an interesting, exciting, challenging, frustrating Tuesday. It has been. Now, really quickly, <laughs> and I promise we'll get the game soon, but but I have to just kind of talk about this whole college entrance exam scam. Mm. It's college entrance scandal because you know I work in higher ed. So I and I so I think this is interesting. And this was brought up in our in our Discord, so you should definitely be in our Discord chatting with us. But I had made this point to my colleagues prior, and then actually it was interesting because Kevin made the point later in our Discord of I don't understand. If you want to get your kid into school and they're maybe not quite at the grades that they need to be or at the lower level of like the admission standards and you want to ensure their entrance, I'm pro- I promise if you donate $250,000 to that school, you're going to get in. It's yeah. just going to happen. So while you could argue that's maybe immoral and unethical, that's not illegal. So why would you go do all this other stuff to get your kid into school when if you just wrote up a check, I, I'm pretty positive most of the schools are going to let you in. I think As the someone... answer to your question falls into um, my thing for loving a better life at the end of the show. <laughs> Excellent. So I don't, and like I said, I mean, for better or for worse, that is the way. And college is obviously ridiculously expensive as it is. And you could argue whether or not someone should be able to get in just because they have parents who have wealth. But for better or for worse, that those donations do keep the price of college down to a degree. Now, obviously, it's still really expensive. It still costs a whole bunch of money to go there to college, but it does help a little bit. So theoretically, you know, you could be upset that someone got in just because their parents have money. But if they donated enough money, it's actually helped your college cost less. So that's good, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's good. So it must be. <laughs> it must be, right? <laughs> okay. All right. So, hey, thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, even though we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff at the beginning of the podcast, we are a gaming podcast. So please send us any feedback, questions, suggested topics at board with VG on Twitter. Or check out all the amazing things Josh posts over on the Instagram, also bored with VG. We're a proud part of PSVG, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, just check out patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing to us is just that you listen and maybe share our podcast with someone else who may enjoy it. But I would be remiss if I did not thank Coach Hulk, Edwin Kahlo, Devin Tyus, Kevin Austin, Chris M., Bonesaw, Barry Cathcart, and Paul Calico for your contributions over on Patreon. We do really appreciate it. It helps us continue to do what we're doing. And we are also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. If you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there is a podcast over there that is probably going to focus on the type of gaming you would like to do. So enough of the random things in housekeeping. It is Newsweek, Josh. So what has been some of the big news in the tabletop world? Okay, before we get rid of the housekeeping cart, I'm gonna, I have to clean up my dirty mess. <laughs> Right off the bat. So, okay. Get out, the, get out the broom. 
allow me to explain for the uneducated. So last week, instead of me doing prior research to the episode, I said to Kyle, I said, hey, the contest ends today, right? And Kyle said, ah, I don't know. Uh, it couldn't hurt to wait another week. And I said, no, nah, I'm pretty sure. It's, I said, it will come out on my son's birthday, which was last Thursday. And he said, all right, go ahead with it. So I did. And you know, we awarded Lucas uh, the prize of the signed copy of um, Century Spice Road. And then I listened back to the podcast. And of course, that was wrong because right after we recorded on Tuesday, we got another submission to the contest. So I'm like, oh, that can't be right. Oh, it is right. Okay, so Josh screwed up. So Lucas was very understanding. I reached out to him. He said he gets it, even though I did like ban him from prizes in the Discord, so it kind of fit it fit in with the ongoing joke. Uh, it was it was pretty humorous. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we're going to do the contest today. For full disclosure, um, uh, today uh, a package did arrive at Lucas's house. Uh, I did send Lucas a copy of Century Column Edition um, out of pocket of me. That was very um, nice of you. Because so I he asked why and and I'll be honest, it, we know Lucas not personally but through podcasting. Mm -hmm. If I had made that mistake and it was for any other listener, I wouldn't have felt good about messaging them and saying, "I'm sorry, you don't win the thing I said you won." Um so for me to feel good about myself and to feel better and to learn from my mistakes cuz now I'll be financially motivated to learn from my mistakes. <laughs> um I wanted to make it right, um, he, and he certainly um, didn't expect me to send it to him, and that also makes me feel good, so I hope he enjoys it. It is my favorite version of the game, so I hope he does enjoy it, but that being said, he is no longer on the wheel. <laughs> I was so going to ask. He cannot win again, um, and uh, we'll just go ahead and spin the wheel and see who wins our signed copy of Century Spice Road. Do you think if he had won really quick, if yeah. he had stayed on the board and you had spun and he had won again, do you think he could sell that signed copy of Century Spice Road for as much as Wingspan <laughs> is getting currently on eBay? No, and that's not even signed. <laughs> <laughs> no, he could not. All right, here we go. Oh, our winner is Nicholas Mulholland. Yay! Congratulations. So. Uh, I will reach out to you this week. This drops on Thursday. So I'll let you, this surprise you. I'll send you an email uh, on the weekend uh, in case you don't listen to it like some of our people don't listen to it right away. Or you can just email us back after you hear the episode and we'll take care of the dirty work uh, from there. So, you know so congratulations. Really, you know what's really good about this, though? What's that? So remember that episode where I called out a listener? Is this your work friend? Yes, it is. <laughs> so I'm really glad that you're the one who spun the wheel and did all of this because now it completely re resolves me of any potential conflict of interest. Well, there you go. I didn't even realize that it was him and yep. he had some nice words for us. And um, he said, new American version, please. Uh, uh, Nicholas, if you're cool with it, if I send you the English version, English rules of the game, I would really like you to have the signed copy. So if you're cool with that... Um, just put that in the email too, because I think uh, uh, it would be it would be uh, a nice addition to any board game collection, English or German. Okay, what am I supposed to do now? Board game news. <laughs> board game news. <clears throat> All right, so let's start with uh, Restoration Games has announced their newest project called Unmatched, which is built off of 
Star Wars Epic Duels game, which uh, they lost a license to produce, which uh, was uh, one of the, besides Queen's Gambit, is probably the best Star Wars game uh, rumored to be the best Star Wars game ever made. I would argue, I guess, Rebellion's probably up there now. Um, so I'll read, this is right from DiceTowerNews.com. Uh, today, which was March 11th, uh, Restoration Games gave what is arguably their biggest announcement yet. Unmatched uh, is the restoration of Star Wars Epic Duels, whose design became the basis of Heroescape, which uh, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the title. Uh, that's not the only thing that makes this announcement so big. Um, however, as Unmatched isn't just one game, it will be a line of products featuring a variety of themes and intellectual properties. Uh, it's such an undertaking, in fact, that Restoration Games isn't doing this alone. They are collaborating with Mondo Games, uh, the publishers behind The Thing, Infection, uh, Outpost 31. You also will know Mondo from Other Things, which they are very famous for, um, which is their um, records and art prints, which are incredibly beautiful. Uh, so their art um, speaks volumes. Um, Unmatched pits two to four players against each other, uh, with each player taking the role of their own hero. Each hero is represented by a unique ability and custom deck of action cards, and each set comes with a double-sided board with different battlefields. The first two sets in the line are, are Battle of Legends Volume 1 and the eponymous Robin Hood versus Bigfoot, which is crazy. Uh, the Battle of Legends set includes King Arthur, Alice, Medusa, and Sinbad. Heroes from any set can be played against each other, making for surprising and exciting matchups uh, and tons of replayability, as well as these first sets will debut at Gen Con this year, um, but that's far from it. Uh, there will be a Bruce Lee limited edition pack and a Buffy the Vampire Slayer set expected to release later this year. Uh, so, well, what do you think... First of all, what do you think about restoration games not necessarily restoring a game? So here, I know that they're restoring the idea of a game. Well, and I'm sure you know they probably couldn't get the Star Wars license, so they have to take those mechanics and put them into something else. But here's the first thing that I want to ask you. So you know, the Dice Tower news story said, you know, here's their arguably their biggest announcement yet. Is this bigger than Fireball Island? I don't think it is, but I think. When I read that, I didn't I didn't agree with it, but I think because they reference like Epic Tools like right after that, I think that kind of that adds into. Uh, but I would argue Epic Tools is like a, is like the cult following of a board game, not the Fireball Island. Like Fireball Island is the Indiana Jones of board games, and right. Star Wars Epic Tools is like the Donnie Dargo of board games. Like, well, I, I, I want people know about it. <laughs> I'm wondering if they're hoping or if they're implying that you know the through line of, you know, Star Wars Epic Duels to Hero Escape, if they're kind of saying, well, this is unmatched now, the through line to a new version, essentially, of Hero Escape that they're going to do. Right. And then would this be, you know, kind of the biggest announcement? The thing I think is interesting, most interesting about this is the fact that Rob Davio designed the original game and now yeah. is doing this <laughs> through restoration games, which is kind of cool, right? Like he made this original game back in the day um, in his old days with Milton Bradley. And now they're restoring it. But it's just like the game he designed, you know, what was that? 2002, probably. So almost 20 years ago, 18 years ago, whatever. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting, right? I think so. I mean, um, 
I'm not, I haven't been disappointed by anything he's done. And I think that's great that he gets to kind of um, be the person in charge of where this goes. Right. I I am looking forward to this. I think that there could be some the fact that it isn't bound by a license in the sense same way that Star Wars is that they can kind of make ridiculous combinations of things. I think is cool. Like I like that fact that they can do that. And you know, to answer your question about they're not really restoring a game. I mean, from a mechanic standpoint, there this is just a reskin, right? It is mechanically probably going to be really close with the same kind of updates that they do to all of their games that they restore is that they right. kind of tweak it a little bit. So, you know, I I feel like it is restoring a game, but it's also putting a really heavy uh it's <laughs> for lack of a better term, it's like taking a, you know, like a PS2 game and and uprising it and making it 4K. You know, you're taking it and you're saying, "Okay, this old way this game looked and everything about it's not going to work." So we're going to polish it, make it look way different than it did before, but mechanically it's going to play the same. Right. That's probably a really bad analogy. Well, it's like but, Resident Evil 2. Right. That's yeah, a good analogy. You did a good job. <laughs> so I'm actually really excited. Like, obviously, if it was a Star Wars game, I think that'd be cool. Uh, but the fact that they can, uh, that they're working with Mondo, that they're able to um, really bring out and expand all of the different heroes, because that's like one of the reasons that like smash up is so cool, right? Because you can have absolutely ridiculous combinations of things that are fighting against each other. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that makes it cool. That's one of the things that made hero scape cool. Like once it eventually got to the point of like all of those different factions and the different things that they had kind of just taking the shortcut now, you know, if they can get yeah. some more licenses and some more cool things, I think this could be really awesome. So I'm looking forward to this. I think it's kind of neat. Very cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm excited by pretty much anything they do. So I'm excited to see, um, this being like that reskin of uh, of a game that's like so fable that you can never find and that I've right. always wanted to to check out. Right. Very cool. And it and it falls under Vassal Vassal's Law. Do you know it what does. Vassal's Law is? It does. It does fall under Vassal's Law. So real quick though, you mentioned it very briefly, and I guess mm. I don't know if um this would ever happen. Do you think? I mean, I guess Risk Star Wars kind of did it. Like, do you think Queen's Gambit would have been the better option? I think if you could just choose something is probably already happening or Queen's Gambit. Okay, because I guess that's another one of those games that you can't not talk about. Right, when you're talking about those like any Star Wars board game like that right. always comes up. I, I bet someone else is doing that. Yeah, and I guess Risk Star Wars Edition is ostensibly um, a reskin of. I need of to pick that up. So. The next yeah. time I see it, because is it like the black edition one? I think so. Yeah, it's got the um, it's like the all black box, and then there. with the yeah. Death Star in the background. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I keep like you know that's tough with the risk games. Like it's not those risk games aren't like Monopoly where they're not always just the same game. Right. Um, there's like a Call of Duty um, Zombies risk game that's supposedly totally different too. So. Right. Well, um, yeah. They take a little bit more like a license. Like they have, they have more freedom with their risk games, I guess. Yeah, because like the board on that one is like it looks like a Tie Fighter. It's like a circle, and it's got like the little wing parts, and then there's, there's another board like on the outside of it. Like yeah. it's really uh, a unique looking thing. It definitely is not. Yeah, you're just your average risk game by any means. Yeah, I'll have to check that. See if I can find that. Uh, okay, so our next topic is interesting uh, for a topic of another time. Uh, Forbes uh, is getting into board, the board game realm uh, with their 30 games not to miss in 2019 article, uh, which included a 15-minute video focusing on games at the 2019 New York Toy Fair. 
Do you want to go through this list? I mean, do we want to go through all of them? Or do we just want to talk about, you know... I mean, we can. We don't have to. Yeah. Maybe, uh, we, don't talk, maybe we don't talk about all of them. But are there We can talk about how Villainous won Toy of the Year. It did. Uh, which is significant because typically um, board games don't win that award. That is very true. So that is pretty cool for Villainous. Yeah. Uh, I'm very happy about that. Um, Trellis is another game that actually is available in Target right now. Um where you're building uh, fa- fauna and flora to uh, to earn flowers, which is a cool like tile laying game. Um, I mean, photosynthesis. We both talked about uh, another uh, tree plant based game, which is right. interesting. Um, there's some smaller games like uh, Ship Shape, Space Escape. Space Escape is also a game at Target mm-hmm. um, by um, the Pandemic Designer. I don't know which one. Is it Davio? I don't. I'm, I will look while you continue on. Uh, Planet, which isn't even out yet. So this is a game that must have just been at um, New York Toy Fair. But this is by um, Blue Orange, who made Photosynthesis. I think I've, we talked about this before, where you're placing magnetic um, hexagons on a uh, circular block uh, that is representing it, planet Earth, or a planet, uh, which is a game I'm very interested in. Yellow's new game, Zombie Kids, which also is not out yet. So it's interesting. They cover a lot of games, I guess, that are not coming out this until later this year. Uh, I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff, but you can check out the list on, on Forbes.com. Uh, stuff Ables made the list. Um, Bad Bones, which is a tower defense game, I think uh, we've talked about um, briefly, which I don't think we've seen much of besides like Mechs versus Minions. Um, what else we got? Uh, snowman dice tentacle town that's uh intriguing sushi dice bunny kingdom made the list which i i really want we we need to cover this we got this from yellow to review so i really need to get this to the table so we can talk about bunny kingdom and then i can send it out to kyle so kyle can play it but um um that's a game that i really want to get to because they're about to announce the expansion for that uh at gen con i believe Yes, I believe that is true. Um, so, like, Dude and More Dude made the list, so maybe I'm a little suspect of the list. Um, uh, we'll get games that are literally just the word Dude all over a bunch of cards. <laughs> uh, I am excited. I don't know if you've looked at all the games, but uh, Ravensburger's putting out Jaws, the board game. That I thought would look <laughs> awesome. I was like, oh, I didn't even know this was a thing. This is sweet. And one person gets to play as Jaws, and the map, this transition map, like at one point you're on an island of Amityville, and then you transition to um, the boat, and peop- in your, your Jaws, while everyone else is like Quint, and uh, I should know the other characters' names because I'm from New England, <laughs> but it's been so long since I've seen the movie. Um, Suro, uh, Phoenix Rising, which shows the Kickstarters on that list. Have you played any of the Suro games? I have both of the other two. Okay. Um, Are you a fan? You know, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember the name of the sequel. I mean, it's in this room, Suro of the Seas. I'm a fan of the production quality of Suro. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the look to it. Um, the more players you add, the less I enjoy the game. Oh, and yeah. I agree there. Sorrow of the Seas added things to the game, which makes the game really claustrophobic for me. And it takes away the simplicity of Sorrow. Like, I really enjoy Sorrow. I have the app. I enjoy the app. It's a fun strategy game, borderline borderline, um, abstract. It's tiling. Right. Sorrow of the Seas adds sea creatures, sea dragons, whatever. 
but they occupy tile spaces and every turn they change tile directions. Um, but there's too many on the board, in my opinion. Uh, and it just makes t- the games end up being shorter. It adds, it's too chaotic for me, I, I, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still a nice looking game, but uh, just give me regular Sir. I'm happy. I was, I was backing phoenix rising and then i canceled my pledge because it it looked like it was getting too busy again and i'd rather just like try it at packs instead of just blindly backing it right makes sense so i can't find this space escape game i could find like one from 2018 that's a solo game but i definitely cannot find the one oh, that- i'm thinking space quest at target that's my fault okay i was like i was looking because i'm like i cannot find this game anywhere so, so it must not be out yet yeah because yeah the one i am finding there is a game called space escape that came out in 2018 that uh, is a solo a solitaire game so this by had- a designer who has no other games so oh, okay yeah, this says take snakes and ladders to the next level with uh, moving snakes and various items to collect. And now I'm looking at the picture. There are literally pipes and ladders in yep. space and yep. a snake token. Okay, so it's snakes and ladders. There you go. Uh, do you have any 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 thoughts on this or do you think this is just maybe something for people to, to look into? I think it's a cool kind of thing to look into. I think it's an interesting list. And like you said, I think there are some games on here that maybe wouldn't be games that like you and I would be into, but there's a good mix of games that like I already know I like games that are interesting and games that maybe aren't for me, but might be for people who aren't as into board games as we are. So I think overall, as far as a list that is going to spread the wealth and definitely has uh, a little bit of something for everyone on there, I think it does a good job. So again, you know, we talked, we had that popular mechanics list not that long ago. That was amazing. Uh, We have this list now from Forbes that's literally, and I think the best thing about it is this is just the New York Toy Fair. Like if you think about that, that this isn't looking at everything. This is just the games from the New York Toy Fair. Like that's a pretty solid list of games from just one place. I'm really sad my connection fell through for that. <clears throat> I was really looking forward to going to Toy yeah. since I could drive there pretty right. easily. Um, speaking of popular mechanics, do you want to just talk about it right now? Yeah, we can. <laughs> so they just um, – William Harkowitz, author we talked about last year, he just um, published his updated list on March 4th for 50 more board games. 50? Is there 50? Yeah. 50 more board games. And that game is on there again. I really got to ask him about that game. <clears throat> that being said, um, uh, th- this is gaining a little bit more traction. Actually, Tom Vassell covered it this week on Board Game Breakfast, the mm-hmm. um, popular mechanics. <clears throat> uh, what people might not know is that I have been talking with uh, William uh, via Twitter DMs for the past few months um, about his article. And he also did like a, a intro to Dungeons and Dragons for Beginners. Which I think we shared in our Discord, at least. I think so. Um, he he's a world traveler, we'll say. So our, our it has been hard to uh, lock down a time to talk. But I'm Kyle, and I are excited to uh, announce that next week's episode we will be interviewing and having William Harkowitz on as a guest, um, which is very exciting. He's a very smart man. He's probably a way smarter than the two of us put together, but. He's also very excited to come on, which is exciting to me. Um, he, he will be in Thailand while we are recording. So uh, the, and the the recording will be, uh, times will be different for us and probably him as uh, per usual. But 
Uh, if you're listening and you have any questions, I mean, we'll be active on social media promoting it uh, starting th- probably Friday, but there'll only be a couple days um, before you can get questions in. So start thinking of them now, and we'll make sure to link that article so you can uh, check out what he thinks are the 50 games to look into this year, yeah. this quarter. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, uh, yeah, like kind of like Josh said, we're recording way earlier than usual. We're recording over the weekend for next week. So uh, next week's episode, it'll be a little different, but I think it's going to be well, well worth it. Maybe even the best ever episode. We'll have to wait and see. Well, don't tell Colin that. I so Hey, I try to make every episode our best ever episode. <laughs> so far this week, I don't think we're quite there, but I try. <laughs> You're, yeah, I hear you. Well, I don't know if Colin listens, but we have to have him back on so we can get uh, Toki's trending because that's a term he's trying to make trend. Well, and, and you know, as your news here is going to uh, talk about quickly here, uh-huh. I mean, there's another game he needs to talk about too. Yeah, he should probably come on to talk about this. So let's move on to the next article. So uh, Plat Hat has added another entry into its adventure book game series. Uh, and according to Kyle, this one looks absolutely adorable. It does. <laughs> it's cats on Roombas. Come on. There you go. Quirky Circuits is a cooperative game with cats on Roombas. So there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you can go to Dice Tower News uh, to get more info. I'll read a little bit uh, from here. So it is a programming deduction and or cooperative game uh, designed by the excellent Nikki Valance, who designed Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition and Legacy of Dragonhold. Quirky Circuits is coming from Blad Eye Games this summer and features some of the most adorable miniatures ever created. That's in bold. Uh, two to four players cooperate in one of 21 scenarios to complete their goals before their batteries run out using the same scenario book system uh, that other Plat Hat games released, such as Tough Fables and Comanauts, uh, have used uh, ensures quick and easy setup and support a fast and engaging gameplay. Wow, did I read that? Weird and disjointed. <laughs> oh, we got it. We know what you're saying. Okay, good. So quirky is really an appropriate adjective uh, in the title because that's precisely what this person wanted to write several times during the article to describe it. Uh, so what do you? What do we have here? We have a cute, quirky, cleaning robots game. Is that what I am to deduce from the deduction game? It kind of looks like it, right? And I, I think that that's cool that they are taking you know, a game mechanic or mechanism, since we're talking board games here, that you don't see too often with the program movement and the fact that you're making it cooperative. I'm really interested to see kind of how that all works together. And if this is a situation where, you know, are, am I, is this going to be where I can mess up my, my my fellow, you know, teammate here because we both plan on doing something way differently and then we end up messing each other up? Like, is that kind of what we're looking for? And I do like the fact that, you know, it is cute. Like, we are often and so often talk about games that are mansions of madness, like games that are just like down and dreary and things are bad and, and le- life is rough. Like it's really awesome to have this like cute, light, fun. Uh, the art is adorable. The minis are really awesome. The dog mini and it's like super great. Like I'm excited to have a game that's just a little, a little lighter, a little happier, a little. Hopefully, it's going to put a smile on my face, and you know, with some mechanisms that you don't get all that often in games. Yeah, did you see the MSRP? Like fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. That's perfect. Yeah, that's a great price. And having those twenty-one scenarios, like you know, especially since the scenarios are only thirty to forty-five minutes, which I think has been one of the challenges, especially with 
um, Plat Hats games, not in a bad way, but just like when you're sitting down to play around to stuff Fables or Mice and Mystics, it's not going to be done in a half an hour. Um, so having something that you can maybe move through a little quicker that you don't necessarily have to have as much time, you know, it's not necessarily as much of an event, um, I think is is nice. And yeah, I'm I'm excited about this one. I'm really excited about this one. Well, maybe um, maybe I'll see what I can do. Maybe we can get Nikki on the podcast. That would be great. I would love to have Nikki on. Yeah, let's see. I think that's a good idea. Okay, our last board game news topic just broke today. Do you know what it is? I do know what it is. Okay, good. So when you're listening, it didn't break today. It broke two days ago. So today, Tuesday, at the Gamma Trade Show, uh, the announcement, which does this count for your prediction? I would say it counts. I know it's not exactly what I predicted, but I feel like this counts. (laughs) All right. So the headline reads, Simon enters exclusive North American distribution deal with Asmodee North America. So. Asmodee North America, North America announced an exclusive distribution agreement with publisher Simon Limited for its ex- extensive tabletop games uh, line in North America. It was made today at Gamma. Um, Asmodee's keynote addressed it. They said, we're looking forward to distributing Simon's varied catalog of games in North America. <clears throat> I believe they already do it for them overseas. Indeed. So this should be an easy transition for them. But this is a pretty big... Um, Zombicide has so many like versions and expansions, and this includes Blood Rage and Rising Sun, and like Simon doesn't mess around. They are the big minis company, but they they bring their minis to the board game side, not just miniatures games. So it's going to go into effect as early as this spring, um, and Simon will continue to design and create games and run their own Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, the only difference is Asmodee will take over customer service support uh, for non uh, and post Kickstarter release related issues. So any regular release for them, you're going to see it, um, w- which is just crazy. And just for context, uh, North America, Asmodee North America, um, they already um, include games as Catan, Seven Wonders, Dixit, Spot It, which we covered from the UK. Splendor, Pandemic, Dead of Winter, Ticket to Ride, Star Wars X-Wing, and now it will include Zombicide, Arcadia Quest, and a Song of Ice and Fire tabletop miniatures game. So they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What does this news say to you, Kyle? I I feel like what it says to me, and especially if you're not already, um, if you don't subscribe to like Stonemeyer's email basically that you can get from them each month where Jamie Stegmeyer goes into like a lot of detail about like shipping and like and distributing games and like how all of that works. This to me says that Simon is just kind of done with it. They're they're done having to deal with when our ships arriving from overseas. How are we going to get things through custom? How are we going to worry about order fulfillment? How are we going to do all this stuff? Like that is taking too much time away from them designing and putting out great games. So at least that's how I read this, that this, the back end stuff, they just don't want to deal with anymore because it takes too much time and it's too complicated and it's too hard. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe financially it's just a situation where this makes more sense for them and they feel like it's a good investment for them long term or something else. But I I was kind of surprised, but not surprised. Like I said, I kind of made the prediction that Asmodee was going to acquire is what I had said, another major studio. And obviously they are not acquiring CMON. They're staying independent. But they're, these two companies now are, are linked. They, are, they have a very distinct working relationship that, you know, 
Asmodee is taking care of distribution for them. And at this point, you know, other than like Stonemeyer, who you could argue whether or not they're a quote unquote big company, like obviously their games are good, but they only release three or four games a year, maybe, you know, and Stronghold, you know, there's not a ton of other like completely independent doing it on their own companies anymore that are releasing large numbers, you know, Renegade, you know, large yeah. numbers of games regularly on their own anymore. Like it, it seems more and more that, you know, it's it's becoming Asmodee's world and everyone else is just playing in it. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's hard to compete against something that big. So you kind of just have to let it exist, I think, and just do your best to put out your product around it, I guess. <laughs> and, I don't, and I think the big thing is, like, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing. Like, for the industry as a whole, I have no idea. Like, I don't, I don't know enough about how all this stuff works. It seems like it's okay, right? Like for Distribution, I think, yeah. You know, you want someone doing what they do well and someone established so you don't have to worry about everyone distributing their own product because that's where mistakes happen right absolutely so all right well hey i'm gonna count that as me getting this right i don't know if you're counting it as that but that's what i'm counting it as i give you a half point right now and if nothing happens throughout the year i'll give you a full point nice i'll take the half point (laughs) that that is totally fine all right, so that was a lot of the big board game news. Let's transition here and talk a little about some of the news happening in the world of video games. Hey, Josh. Hey, Kyle. Do you remember when everyone got super excited because Valve announced they were releasing a new game? Only vaguely. And then do you remember <laughs> when everyone got disappointed because then they, they found out it was a digital card game? I, not, I do not remember. Have, and not yeah, have I mean, three. It wasn't Blizzard uh, epic proportions, but yeah. I definitely know (laughs) that part. (laughs) So for those of you who may not uh, know, Valve released a collectible card game, a collectible digital card game, maybe, Uh um, that was called Artifact. It was trying to do something very different in the set. uh, Well, back up a little bit. It's a CCG set in the Dota 2 universe. Okay, so designed by Richard Garfield, who is the creator of Magic the Gathering, obviously, a gentleman who knows, uh, also the designer of Keyforge, a gentleman who knows a lot about, you know, designing these sorts of games. They decided that they wanted to try throw their hat in the ring, release Artifact. But the thing that they did interesting with it is they did not set it up like Hearthstone, which is free to play. You can buy packs and expansions and things like that if you want to, but it doesn't cost anything to get into. No, Artifact was very much more set up like Magic the Gathering is, that every card costs money. So you buy packs, you can trade cards or sell cards on the store. And that is kind of the currency model or the or the distribution model that they went with. That there's not this free-to-play, grind stuff down, break stuff down, you know, turn it into cards you want. Nope. It was very much set up as, you know, you open a pack, you get what you keep what you want, try to sell what you don't. Uh, get another pack, try it again, see how this whole situation is going to go. Uh, reviews for Artifact, I think we're overall decent, but uh, player base has absolutely fallen through the floor, dropping well over 90% of where it started. And as a result, uh, probably not surprising to many, Valve has laid off most of the design team from Artifact, including Richard Garfield um, and Scaff Elias, who are who are kind of the duo who helped be the lead designers on that game. There is still a small team um, at Valve working on some design stuff. Uh, supposedly, this is going to help them be more nimble and respond to the demands and the requests of players and things like that for balance and, and card designs. Uh, but I think it was pretty telling when Richard Garfield was like, yeah, we're not really surprised. 
that we got laid off. So, Josh, does this spell the end for Artifact? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is people, we, we find this happens a lot is, I don't know that this necessarily applies to Artifact, but the, the problem we're in with, like, getting ahead of ourselves in games, like um, um, Scalebound, where we're showing off stuff a little early, where, where you know, we're... we're <laughs> Doing early release, early access, all these kinds of things. When you see something in like early access, you, you might know that it's not a f- full complete game, but I think most people just assume it's a game that's out and available. Right. And when you can pay $30 for like a PUBG and you don't understand that that's an investment instead of a full game purchase, like games like, like Artifact or, or things that be, could be coming in the future, uh, it's kind of scary. And right. to some aspect, just kind of like these failed Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate, but uh, we just saw this happen with uh, Overkill's The Walking Dead game. Yep. It was on PC for like nine months. And then two weeks ago, they fired everyone and scrapped the Xbox and PlayStation 4 title because uh, Skybound Games wasn't happy with the progress. And they said that... Um, Overkill didn't meet the promises they made uh, to Skybound on the game, so like things like that happen, and and uh, maybe they didn't fire everybody, but they definitely like killed the the console crews of that game. And I think the PC one is shutting down as well. I might be speaking out of turn, but no, I, I I'm trying to remember. I think that is true. Yes, but yeah, they. they I mean. <clears throat> Unfortunately, these things happen. It just seems like they're happening more frequently. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's true or just more, you know, off the top of my head. Like maybe you could read me something from 10 years ago where they did like that with four or five games in a year. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, now I remember. But because it's in the zeitgeist, like right now, it seems very uh, common at this point, unfortunately. Right. And we don't yeah. even know what's going to happen with this World War Z game. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff gets put out there. Um I think with Artifact, they just got put into the sea of games that are very similar to it already. Right. Well, and I think part of it, too, is just that 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 model distribution isn't the model that just works right now. Like, it still kind of works for Magic, you know, with through, you know, Arena. Yeah. But that's because Magic players are used to that. Like, that's what they've always had. That's what MTGO was when it was, you know, the only way that they had to play. And obviously, that's what they play when they go to, you know, in-person tournaments, too. So, like, that model of distribution and payment and that each card is worth a thing made made sense for Magic. But it doesn't necessarily really hold anymore. Like, what other game out there? And, like, I get trying something different. Yeah. But, you know, when they announced this game, they were like, oh, I remember, like, when it was announced, they are like, oh, yeah, it's going to be... You know, we're going to have a lot of like, quote unquote, esports associated with it. We're going to do a million dollar tournament with it. We're going to do all this stuff. Like, I can't imagine any of that stuff is happening now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's just it's not fun when you hear people lose their jobs. But like, right. Unfortunately, I guess that's like the video game industry. Everyone's like wandering contractors looking for jobs. Absolutely. So. All right. Next story, uh, which really made you know, someone who we both care about a lot. Very sad. Yeah. Um, EA Play will be back in 2019, happening right before E3 kicks off, so that weekend before, which is the exciting news. The disappointing news, though, is there's going to be no press conference associated with it. Now, yes, there will still be some live streams from EA Play. And in some ways, I think this might be better because there's, I think, the possibility that they might go more in-depth with some games and really be able to talk about the minutiae of things that if you're like Coach Hulk and into Madden, 
Like they can go very granular about the things that they're improving um, in the Madden stream because the only the people who like Madden are going to be watching it. Where that was hard to do like on a press conference type yeah. stage. So, Josh, when you heard this news that EA, you know, not going to, you know, they obviously have technically already bowed out of E3, right? Like their event is not at E3. It's at a different location as before Mm -hmm. E3 starts. They're not on the show floor. You know, now that they're not having a press conference, kind of what was your reaction to this? What does this mean for the future of those EA press conferences? Well, I think it means more to E3 than it does to EA, uh, which is interesting in itself. But EA's press conference last year was terrible. And it was rough. They didn't show much new content. They mm-hmm. teased this Anthem release, like all this new Anthem stuff. They showed Anthem for like three minutes, I think, maybe. And it was not a lot of new footage. Right. Um, we saw that Sea of Solitude game, I think it was. Yep. Which looked really cool. It did. Um, I think Coach was, wasn't was happy. I don't know that they showed any Madden. They showed a lot of FIFA. Yeah, they um, might have had like a maybe just like a really brief like trailer for it i honestly don't remember yeah i i I don't even think that they i mean they could have but i'm pretty sure that they didn't know madden because i remember vividly thinking coach would not be happy with this Um, right and i was like is there going to be a story mode in the new madden what's going on with the new madden um it wasn't very good so for ea i think they've had a a rough two years at least um maybe worse maybe longer um I think that it's worse for E3 because this is another company pulling out of E3 and they they just made that push to go back to public again, you know, in the past like few years when it was closed again to the industry insiders. Um, so now if you're someone in the public who's going to E3, what are you getting now with these people seemingly leaving E3? For right. me, press conference-wise... I got my Ubisoft and I got my Xbox. So those are the two things that have really stood out to me recently in E3. So I'm still happy with that. It means right. I have to watch less coverage, which is fine. Um, uh, so I don't know. Is it going to put more pressure on other press conferences? Maybe. That might not be good. But, I mean, if it's right for EA, then do that. Don't put your money into a big stage show. Uh, it's fine. I, I have the same thoughts on EA not doing it as I do with Sony. Like, you do what's good for you. Right. And if it's not doing an E3 press conference, then don't. I think the bigger picture and the bigger question is, why do they think that they don't have to be at E3? I think that's the bigger question. And I think Sony has a better excuse than EA. EA needs better positive exposure right now. And yeah. maybe being at E3 is a better thing for them. Well, and I mean... It- <laughs> You could argue, like, in essence, EA Play kind of is that exposure for them, right? Like, sure. it's not at E3, but if you're going to E3 and if you're a public going to E3, you're probably going to get to LA the weekend before you can go to, e- which it's not at the same place. So that way you can kind of travel there and you don't have to worry about missing things at E3. You know, I think they're kind of doing their thing close enough in conjunction that it, it ostensibly is part of it. Right. I think the thing that for me kind of made me wonder if they were going to do a press conference this year is when it was announced that star wars uh jedi fallen order was going to premiere at star wars celebration right oh because, yeah it takes the wind out of their sails kind of thing right because like that was the kind of game whereas if you were like doing their if they were doing the premiere at you know their ea play event like that could be a thing you build a press conference around right like you could have yeah. Not a ton of other stuff, but if you have that, boom, that's all you need. You know, like you can really build around that. 
And I think I'll be interested to see how they do this. I would love for them. And we could get into the conspiracy theories about this later. <laughs> um, I would love for them to do like a similar to how like Fortnite has done their invitationals to do like a streamer apex like championship, basically, if you would, yeah. and invite like all of the big streamers. So you get, you know, sorry, Kevin, you get Ninja and you get, you know, Dr. Disrespect and Tip the Tapman and Shroud and Seagull and you get all those people down there. And you have them play in a huge Apex tournament. Like, how? Like that's like the thing going right now, right? Like, I think if you do, if they do things like that, that still draw attention, that they think outside the box and do things in different ways, um, I think they could still be really successful with what they do. And it might even be better than, the, you know, their press conferences. Because you're right, their press conferences, they were, they were a little rough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, they have they have a great gift with Apex Legends, so it would be smart if they could turn that into kind of like what what they, what uh, Fortnite did with that tournament. Right. So, so we'll see what happens, but I think it's going to be interesting because my guess would be probably Epic is probably trying to do something similar again. So now it's going to be a fight for like high profile streamers of who are we going to get? Yeah. You know, are we going to be able to get you know our you know if if Fortnite's going to do something and Apex Legends is going to do something, you know, is Ninja going to participate in both? Right. You know, that'll be really interesting to see. So, but yep, no EA press conference this year. Maybe it'll be back in the future. Only time will tell. Hmm. Speaking of things like we were with board games that happened right before we started recording, Inside Xbox held a new briefing just the hours before we recorded. And I was not able to watch it. I think you were, right, Josh? Uh-huh. Awesome. Okay. So I, I wrote down some things that I thought were maybe the highlights. If yeah. I miss something, please let me know. You got it. You got Number it. one. Okay. I did. Okay. <laughs> uh, Halo Master Chief Collection is coming to PC. Mm-hmm. And Reach, That's exciting. That is exciting. And Reach is being added to the mix for those, like, just in general. So Halo Reach, even though Master Chief, I mean, you don't play as him. I, I could spoil the end, I guess, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is being added to the collection as well. But I think it's kind of interesting that for the PC collection, it is being each game is being released individually. Tears, yeah, yeah, and it's like, and, I, and it's starting and it's starting with Reach. Starting with Reach because it's like a prequel to the Master Chief, right? Series. Yep, and then going in numerical order after that. So, can you imagine playing Halo One after Reach? <laughs> they're talking about jarring experience you're like oh my god the graphics what's happening well they're, they're <laughs> they kind of polish spit put some spit polish onto these things they look a little nicer than they did back in the day for sure so so that is exciting um they haven't been super there's not a lot of other details like we don't know price we don't know if there's gonna be crossplay. we don't know that if it's a play anywhere title so if you already have it on uh you know xbox will you automatically get it on pc um that's those are things that we don't know um, we also don't know if there'll be crossplay. That's not a thing that we're aware of at this point either. So, uh, but still, you know, this is one of those things that was rumored to be happening. Actually, both of them were both Reach and, you know, Master Chief Collection coming to PC. Um, are you? You sound like you're pretty excited about this. I mean, it's just big for Halo and Halo fans. Like when Halo came out, original Halo, you you could also get it on PC, mm-hmm. and that's where like we had a local arcade and we would go there and they would have. Um, like all their PCs hooked up together and we would go and play Halo eight players on like the big screen. And that was great. And that's something that the PC has been missing is all these Halo games. Like they didn't put Halo two, Halo three on the PC and nobody ever knew why. So 
This is really big. This is important. It's also coming to Steam. That's huge um, because they've never put a Microsoft game on Steam. Right. So uh, they they kind of outlined how that they wanted to make sure that they extended their reach to other people mm-hmm. that weren't just on Microsoft Store. I'm sure there was a fight and tug of war between the uh, Epic Game Store and Steam for this. Yeah. Um, but it's great. I, I'm not a big fan of the way they're rolling it out, um, but that's fine. They want to take the time to get the games right, and they want to get out ahead of, you know, they want to make sure they get the announcement out now instead of, like, waiting till everything's done. So I get that. Um, but it's so exciting I, for PC players. Can I ask you a question? And I promise this isn't a loaded Sony fanboy question. I, okay. I, it generally is not. This is just a thing that... Because I think I would think about this if it was any PlayStation game as well. So I'm an Xbox player. I've yeah. purchased an Xbox. Say mm-hmm. I purchased the Master Chief Collection and now, you know, years later I have Game Pass or whatever. So I have access to it, you know, and I buy Xbox Live Gold so that I can play the online portion of this game. Yeah. If I'm playing this on PC, I don't need to buy those things, right? I don't have to have gold to play this, the multiplayer no. portion, right? Is right. that, I mean, is that cool? Is that okay? Like if you're... The Xbox fan who's been supporting them and supporting this game, do you feel a little like slighted by that fact that you don't have to, if you're playing on PC, pay basically an annual fee to play the online portion? I mean, not with a 15 year old game, I don't think so. Uh, (laughs) Maybe if it was like Halo Infinite, okay, and they did that, I think it would be a bigger issue. Okay. Um, And like I said, that's the way I understand it. That might not be accurate. Well, I think that's how it's working. I believe. The addition of Steam makes that more complicated. Right. But I do think if you're trying, if you're playing any Xbox Anywhere title, you do need to have gold on your PC as well. Okay. Because well, I know, I know, it works they, both ways. Right. I know they said that you need an Xbox Live account, but yeah. those are obviously free. Like anyone can have those. You can have a silver for free. Yeah. But right. I, I would guess, you know, it's been a long time since I tried playing an Xbox game on the PC, only because I haven't had a PC that could run them mm-hmm. until now. Um, you probably do still have to have gold, I right. bet. And like I said, I don't the the one article that I had time to read about it said that you didn't. Don't know how well that was sourced. So like I right. said, I, I could be completely wrong about that. So if I am, I apologize ahead of time. So but it's my also bad. the cost of console gaming too. Like yep, absolutely. You, you when you play on a PC, you're you're playing on a fine well sometimes a fine tuned, but sometimes a custom tuned console well, PC that's way more expensive than a console, so maybe they figure the cost into that too. Right, awesome. Uh, other news: Minecraft is coming to Game Pass. Are you excited about that? No, nope. <laughs> I'm happy if people get to play it, but it has no appeal to me. Right. Again, I'm not a Minecraft person, but again, uh, I think the value of Game Pass. You know, Microsoft is continuing to double down on the value yes. of Game Pass to the consumer. So. That is cool. And then uh, they showed xCloud in action. So the, you know, Microsoft's streaming future that they've talked about, about being able to play your games on any device. They kind of showed that not in action with someone playing, I think it was Forza on their phone, right? Was that yeah, right? Yeah, Horizon, Forza Horizon 4 on an Android phone. So, so that was kind of shown off. Uh, they showed a new controller color that some people got super stoked about. Um, I honestly, with the, with how excited people were about it, I thought it was a new pro controller. No, nope, and then it's I was not like, a white controller. I was like, nope, that's not a pro <laughs> controller. I mean, it looks good. Like I'm not saying it doesn't. I just thought it was like a new pro controller or something. Uh, what else did I miss? Is that it? I feel like that was about the headlines I could find. Yeah, they 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 went over some state of decay to um um the um, choose your apocalypse DLC where it adds a higher difficulty level. 
Okay. Um, they covered the new One Piece game mm-hmm. for anime lovers, uh, which actually has him moving like Spider-Man through the city, which will be interesting. He uses his arms like yeah. the webs instead. So I thought that was weird, uh, but interesting. I think it was interesting, too, because I, if I recall, recently previews for that game came out and they weren't super great. Yeah, I don't know. The One Piece games, I don't think I've ever reviewed very high. Right. Um, yeah, it was a pretty light um, inside Xbox. It was like 45 minutes long. Uh, nothing too exciting. And, you know, there was a lot of speculation leading up to what I would call an underwhelming inside Xbox. So here, I don't feel- it wasn't two hours long. Well, that's true. <laughs> I feel like Inside Xbox is is struggling to find its footing as far as what is exciting or like what is awesome about it. And maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe I'm a producer. Like I've only watched a couple of them, but I always feel like they're probably longer than they need to be. Like, did this need to be 45 minutes? No, no. They they're in they're caught up in that Access Hollywood Entertainment Tonight style of okay. of of production, which I don't think translates to video games well. Right. Um, and it's an often feel, it's often very soap opera y in mm-hmm. its content. Um, like there was a, a part where one of the girls was like lying on a beanbag chair, like simulating being in a like college dorm or a game room and eating a gummy worm and trying to say lines. Or like Master Chief brought in pizza when they talked about Master Chief Collection and the girls had them bring pizza over, but then they were eating pizza while trying to say what they were supposed to. It was very, it's disjointed, it's sloppy, it's not engaging, and and it's just, it doesn't have an identity, if that makes sense. You, no, for you sure. don't watch it knowing what you're getting because it's weird every time you watch it. Right. Well, you know what, though? If this might sound odd, this made me way more excited for their E3 conference <laughs> because, like, everything here was basically, for the most part, like stuff that was known. There was nothing here that was a huge surprise. Yes. Everything here was kind of had been rumored ahead of time, right? There was no like, oh wow, no Game Pass announcements. Um, yeah, I, they, they talked about they talked about Project Scarlet, and they, we would hear more about it at E3, which is exciting, right? So yeah, they're saving. We're getting too close to E3 for any bombshells to drop, except these rumors of this um, digital edition of the Xbox One S right. coming out in May. They should have said something today. Yeah, if I kind of that's that, true. That was the only thing I thought that might be there that wasn't. Yeah. So that, as far as from rumors, but yep. Yep. all right. And the final thing, which is, I think we'll find out more in the future, but I think just, and I included this in here mostly for my good friend, Josh. Uh, Jade Raymond has revealed she's the vice president at Google now. Which is crazy. What does this mean, Josh? <laughs> well, I, I can't tell you what this means. I'll tell you what it means to me. I was paying zero attention to the Google's um, console that they're announcing in seven days. Right. But now I, that's all I can think about. <laughs> <laughs> because she is revealing she is a a VP at Google of what? What is she a VP of? Is she the VP of Google? Like is very um, shrouded in, in mystery. Um, but if she has anything to do with this console, which I'm assuming she must. This is huge news for the video game industry. Jade Raymond is not to be taken lightly. She's a very powerful human being in the gaming industry, and she is smart and 
uh, a great producer and she knows what she is doing and she knows how to do it. And I'm just very excited to see what this means. So there's no way she will let, she'll let that controller leak be the actual controller. That will not be the Google <laughs> controller. If she has anything to do with this console. Um, yeah. But this is only great news for Google. And I mean, I'm very excited that months ago we decided to tur- to become a Google household in the next coming months and ditch iPhone and Apple. Uh, now I'm more excited to be joining this Google family that might have more to add to my previous decision than I originally thought. So this is great news. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not familiar with, you know, who Jade Raymond is, uh, you can tell her thank you for Assassin's Creed and, you know, Watch Dogs and Blacklist, Splinter right? Cell Blacklist, right? Yeah. She's done she's done some stuff. Yeah, I have the, I have a small list here just of her I mean, she was working on the Amy Henning Star Wars project, so we know that she has some of that stuff underneath her belt. She did the Sims Online in two thousand two as a producer. Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Two, Bloodline, Splinter Cell, Blacklist, Watch Dogs. Um the underappreciated The Mighty Quest for Epic Loot on PC. Uh, very good game. So, yeah, I mean, those are just some of the things she's worked on. But if you ever watch G4, you know um, how much she knows and how smart she is. And and uh, she was on, on G4 for a long time as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that is our video game news for the week. A little bit of a lot of different things. And we're going to, you know... Next week's show is going to be extremely board game focused because of our special guests and all that other things. So I figured, you know, this week we would take some time and we would wrap up because I think we both have thoughts. Uh, We would wrap up and say our final thoughts on the little game called Anthem. But I know we've talked about a decent amount, but I feel like, you know, maybe I'm stepping it a bridge too far. I feel like we might be putting we both might be putting this game to bed for a while at this point. Sorry, I'm gonna this GameStop ad is up, and it literally just played a video over everything you just said, which was con- <laughs> conveniently Anthem. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so anyway, like, oh, no, no, no. What did you say? I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, we're very professional on this podcast. Uh huh. Very professional. Very professional. <laughs> uh, no, just talking about how you know we probably want to kind of wrap up, give some final thoughts on Anthem because I would assume for both of us that we're going to be putting this game to bed and you know, it it might be the time to kind of leave some final thoughts on it. And I think moving forward, you know, we might do this a little more often where we, so we often so quickly talk about a game in our, what we've been playing, just kind of mention a few things about it, but I think it'd be nice, you know, and we've to kind of just do these very like final retrospectives on games, whether it be board games and or video games to kind of say our last piece about them, give our final thoughts on them, kind of, Give them a, a totality review now that we've had the opportunity to finish them, um, especially when they're some of these bigger things. So, yeah. Josh, you have finished Anthem, correct? I have finished Anthem. As far when I, when you say finish, what do you well, mean? Well, <laughs> I haven't finished Anthem. I completed the story, mm-hmm. um, only to find out there's more story after you finish the story. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> um, so, yes, I have finished the main story of the game and mm-hmm. i have completed i believe all of the pro i'll call it a prologue that is not really a prologue um i've completed the prologue 
as well. Okay. I believe. The I could epilogue? be totally wrong. Epilogue. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I was like, the postlog. I meant to say postlog. Is that a thing? I'm going to make it a thing. So, um, I have finished the main storyline and I got back and then I was like, wow, look at all these conversations to have now and all these things that are now lit up on my map that weren't before. Yeah. Um, so that is where I've gotten to. Um, I might on occasion jump back in there and kind of clean some of this next stuff up because there were a couple, kind of like you said, there are a couple, um, storylines, if you would, or side missions or side quests that you're working on that I don't think you can finish until after you finish the main game. Yeah. And then there's a whole new one introduced after you finish the main game. A new one. And then there's contracts uh, that are introduced as well. And like, he's like, really, it, what it is, is uh, if you ever played Destiny, it's like um, the daily missions. Like when you log in, it's like, a, right. You got to go do this today. So they have these things like, you're not gaining anywhere, any story. You're just right. doing something for, I don't know, because like you're not doing it for experience after level 30. Yeah. No, so you're doing absolutely. it for loot, I guess. Yeah. So overall, mm. your impressions. <laughs> well, I will say this. I'm not putting it to bed. Um, and then there's a game I like to go back to uh, periodically while we're playing these other big games that we're playing. Um, so, and what you, what you mean by that is The Division 2. Yeah. And, I, and, <laughs> and Breath of the Wild. Oh, uh, yeah. That too. I still have to start Kingdom Hearts and Devil May Cry. Yeah, you have those two. <laughs> and and uh, you're going to have another game at the end of April, too. Okay, that's exciting. Days gone? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I figured. Um, so, uh, where, where do I even begin? I mean, we talked about Anthem a little bit on the podcast, right? Um, with our experiences. I started off low on the game. I kind of meet, plateaued at, like, it's decent. Um I think that when I come out of Anthem, what I think is, um, surprisingly, I really enjoyed the story uh, once I decided to give it my time mm-hmm. uh, and pay attention to it. Yep. There's, a, there's actually a really good story in this game, um, and it's hidden behind a lot of clunk and junk and, and things that get in the way. Uh, I wish they didn't make you have to try so hard to right. find the story, and I wish like... I didn't have to start at one end of the map to go to the other end of the map to walk all the way back because something popped up. I wish they designed the the way you interact with the story better so that you didn't feel like, what did I feel like I was doing? Um, it reminded me of how you used to do that all the time in Mass Effect, but you didn't feel like it was a chore in Mass Effect. Right. You because were you excited. Yeah, and you were also excited to go walk around the Citadel and find like the council or find these people like do you think it was because i was thinking a lot about that too while i was playing do you think it's because when you were playing mass effect you would go out and you would do these missions that would take sometimes hours and then you would come back and then you'd be like i want to talk to everyone and you had loyalty missions where you felt like what you were doing mattered in the story not just a mission right to get to more story yeah um i also felt I don't know. I just got, I lost my train of thought when you said that because it reminded me of something. The character animations are terrible. My wife was like, the teeth. What is going on with that teeth? And like random it? interactions with people. You can't see me, but they like lurch forward. Like they do like a weird gesture of like a joke. So they like move like an animatronic in Disney to come back to their standing position. This is a very odd, more Mass Effect Andromeda. 
than regular Mass Effect. And that was odd and weird. You know, you know what's really funny? is I was playing, I just barely started Devil May Cry 5. And like the first thing I said while I was playing, and I said it out loud, like nobody else was with me in the room. I said, man, their teeth look way better. <laughs> than Anthem. I don't know why. Like I was playing the game and I was like, my gosh, their teeth look so good in this game. Way better than Anthem's. Like that's, yeah. I, I don't know why. That was like the first thing I thought while I was playing Devil May Cry 5. It's very like, prominent in Anthem. It's very weird. Uh, in fact, I would say... Um, it's very obvious that the people spent the right amount of time with Haluk and Faye for character yeah. than anybody else. Yeah, I will say though, I will say though that Faye's arm movements while you're talking to her, yes, are where she oof. stands like this. Yes, and she just she keeps her arm up, and then she like tips it down. Yeah, and the whole thing, the whole thing I kept thinking of was the Ron Burgundy. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Like, it was very, like, there's a lot of weird things about this game. Um, so, uh, I love the combat. I agree. I think they nailed the combat. They really did, um, so well in the combat. And, and I want to say, um, I want to backpedal because I think that the, um, the vocal artists were incredible. Mm hmm. I think the, like I all think the, the voices were great. Yeah, I think the voice acting is is splendid. And I think if you if you've played Anthem, you should do yourself a favor. Just go onto YouTube and Google um and Google. Go onto YouTube and Google. Uh, go onto YouTube and search voices in Anthem, just so you can see all the voice actors. Because you'll be surprised by some of the people that are doing voices in the game. Um, uh, and some of the people even surprised me. Like Bryn, I didn't know it was Amy Akuda from the Guild. Uh, and I love her. And, and Tassin was Annie Worshing, who was, um, on the, on 24, the redhead agent who came back on 24. Like, I love some of the voice actors in here, but to get back to the, um, combat, the combat's great. Here's my problem with, um, and I think we kind of talked about it before. Something that I've seen way more prominent recently is while I enjoy the story of the game, they are making it hard for me to enjoy it because I'm jumping into story missions and the team that I jump in with is halfway through the story mission. Yeah. That's unacceptable. Yeah. So I don't understand, like, I understand how it's happening uh, because of the system that they, that they have implemented. But we talked about this, like, we talked about this, like, if you buy Anthem in three months, there's a very good possibility you're not going to experience a story in a good way. It was interesting because I actually, when I was finishing this game up, it wasn't the last mission, but it was like the mission before it or a contract I did right before I did the last mission because there's a little gate of like, hey, it's going to take them time to do what they need to do. Go do something else. So when I went yeah. to go do that other thing, I loaded in. And as soon as I loaded in, I got the screen that was like, rejoin your team. Otherwise, we're bringing you to them in five. Yeah. Four. And I'm like, so I literally went from a load to a load. Yeah. So I loaded in, waited three seconds, and then I started loading again. I was like, oh, boy. Yep. <laughs> I experienced that a couple times uh, on things like that. Uh, I also, the final mission was like super laggy and choppy on me. Oh, really? And I, I, was didn't, have, I didn't have that issue at all. terrified it was going to crash on me and I was going to have to do it again. Uh, so I experienced like that a bunch. Like, I just, I don't know. This game is so confusing to me. Mm -hmm. because it could be so good. Yeah. And it is so good at certain points. 
But why should I have to wait nine months to go back to this game and hope it's better? So, do you want to jump down a huge conspiracy theory well with me? Sure. Okay. Avril Lavigne is dead, and it's her imposter. No, this is about Anthem. Okay. (laughs) What do you think about the idea that the reason we saw a Dragon Quest trailer at the Video Game Awards, and the reason they dropped Apex Legends when they Dragon did... Dragon Age, you mean? Yeah, sorry, Dra- not Dragon oh, Quest, Dragon Age. Okay. Yeah, I apologize. I apologize. Dragon Age okay. trailer. And the reason they released Apex Legends when they did was because they knew Anthem was going to not impress people. Then don't release your game until it's done, EA. <laughs> I, I think that's plausible. I mean, we've seen it happen with other companies. But I'm, well, I, I'm just wondering if that... Uh, I, I sometimes I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense. And sometimes I'm like, that's really conspiracy theory, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you had this happen to you, but, you know, they added um, the social space. Oh, Working yep. on the name of it. Yep. They added that kind of last minute. If I if I ever go to the social space instead of going back to the forge, mm-hmm. it doesn't show any of my new items as new. Oh, really? So I have to kind of sort through all of my saved gear to find out what I just picked up. Interesting thing is I never I've never gone back there other than the one time they made you. Oh, to the forge? No, I go to, oh, the, to forge. the social space. Yeah. I go to the forge. Mm-hmm. I either go to the forge or Fort Tarsus. I've never gone to that other place other than the one time they make you. We used to, I used to go when I was playing with other people like Donnie and them. Mm-hmm. And then that and then it we used to when I would pop in with Donnie, it um the we you would get the uh, masterwork um Legion of Dawn stuff for the pre order. Yep. And I would have it equipped and we'd go back and it would unequip it and it wouldn't be in my inventory. Oh, really? Because I have that as well. And I did not equip it ever. And every time I go back, it always shows it as new. Every yeah, single I, time. I scrapped mine. And if I go back to that place, it shows back up in my inventory. Oh, really? <laughs> well, you mine... don't get anything for scrapping it. So there's no bonuses to that. So mine, mine boosted level big time. So there's uh, so many bugs in this game yeah. that I but wish you... I didn't enjoy the combat i wish i didn't enjoy the combat so much because i not because um not because i want to keep going back and playing it because i don't think it's fair that a game this bad i enjoy they don't deserve (laughs) it for the quality game they put out i don't feel like they earned my enjoyment of the game so what you're saying is is that it is greater than the sum of its parts yes yeah yeah and it could be so much better that's what the potential really bothers me I really wish someone could just go buy the source code from them and make a game that is just the action aspect of this game. And it's like, this is our game. It's just flying around in Iron Man suit. Marvel, go buy EA and just make Disney. Go buy EA and just make the Iron Man game we all want. So Yeah, I, I don't know. I talked a lot about what I thought. What are, what are your thoughts on Anthem? So, yeah, Anthem is a game that is very much I'm of two minds of because there are parts of it that I'm like, this is amazing. I love this. This is so much fun. Uh, and then there are parts that I'm like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand. And I think what perfectly sums up like what my experience was the whole time is that at the end of the game, and I won't spoil anything, I promise. Um, at the end of the game, like I mentioned, it tells you like, hey, you have to go off and do a thing because what needs to happen next takes a while. So I went off, did a thing, came back, went and talked to the person who I had done the thing for and got an, a, another mission from them. You're going to say, you're going to say exactly what happened to me, but keep going. Yep. <laughs> I got another mission from them. And then I kept like every time I would, like I got done talking to them and I always put pull up my map 
and I'd have like two conversation bubbles that were up. So I'd be like, oh, okay. So I'd go to the first conversation bubble, couldn't talk to the person. Like the thing wouldn't pop up. There was nothing there. So then I'm like, oh, okay. So then I would go to leave and the conversation bubble would pop up on the map. But then when I come off, it would be gone. Like, oh, okay. This is really bothering me. So I'm going to go try the other person. So I went and tried the other person. Obviously couldn't talk to them either. So it's like, fine. Well, I'm going to go do this mission then. But then when I would go to do the mission, your javelin doesn't turn around. So you can't get your, yeah. your thing. The only thing you could do is talk to them to start the final mission. So then I started, I talked to them to start the final mission, even though I didn't want to do it yet. I started them to talk to the final mission. Good but when you. I loaded into the screen, the mission that I had been given by the previous person was the one that was there, not the final mission. So oh, then really? the game just wouldn't do anything. It was like, I couldn't, it would like, you you know how, like, when you're in the load screen, it's like, tells you what mission you're in, then it asks you to do the difficulty, and then you can launch it. Yeah. The launch stuff was all grayed out. Oh, no. So, like, I literally watched all the cutscenes, got to the point of launching, and then had to quit out and Ugh. go back in, and then it put up the um, final mission as my active one, and then it would let me actually do it. Wow. And, like, that, and then I had a ton of fun on the final mission. So, it was like... Right. That was like this game in a nutshell. Like it was so much work to get to the fun stuff. Yes. And the fun stuff was really fun. But every time I sat down to play, I was like, do I want to go through the work to get through the fun stuff? And it was a, a thought process every single time. Did you see the video I shared? Yes, I did. With Bryn? Yes. I still don't know if I missed out on a mission. I was never able to rectify that. Well, hopefully. <laughs> Who, who knows? I have no clue. But the same thing happened to me. I had a, I was trying to do all of my side quests before. Right. And then he's like, you sh- you, before you click OK, make sure you do everything you want to do. I'm like, I'm trying to do everything I want to do. <laughs> you won't You're let not me. letting me. <laughs> yeah. uh, did you, I did want to ask you, I won't go into spoilers, but you, when I say the name Meralda, do you know who that is? Yes. Did you lie or be honest? And did you do it the whole time or part of the time? I'm trying to remember. I think I was honest, if I recall. Okay. I'm curious. I was too. I'm curious what the... I really feel like there are some... Things that are different? Things, kind of like a Mass Effect, that you can... Um, also, like with the Spy, I think mm-hmm. um, that could have turned out differently in, in the games. Right. So maybe I'll ask you off of recording about those, but because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. I will say, though, I did get a little annoyed at a different podcast I listened to because I did have something that actually was pretty big spoiled for me. I hate when people do that. And I don't and they they definitely didn't do it intentionally. But basically what they did is that, OK, I don't, I don't think this is a spoiler. There's a twist in the game. Wow. Imagine that every game has a twist, right? They said stuff like while they were talking about it so that I basically knew exactly what the twist was going to be. Oh, they didn't do no. it intentionally. And I'll tell you off air what it is because I don't want to wreck it for anyone. But I was, and I usually don't care about spoilers, but that one bothered me a little bit. That was a good twist. I know. I know. I would have been pissed if I was. I was a little disappointed in that one. Usually they don't bother me. I was a little disappointed in that one. So uh, any final thoughts you want to give on Anthem? Feel free to score it if you want to. I'm not going to. But any final thought? Would you recommend it to people? Like, what are your final thoughts on Anthem here as we kind of transition to more focusing on things like the Division 2 and board games and all that good stuff. I can't answer that question. I, I don't know if I would recommend it to people. I want to say yes, I do. But I don't know that if you buy Anthem today that you can get all the story if if it's going to cut you into the middle of missions. Right. Like, it still happens to me. It happens to me when I jump into contracts. Right. And so, I, I, I luckily only had it happen like one time. 
So here's the argument people say, right? You can set it to private. Yep. I'm not fighting two Titans on solo. You right. are going to make someone hate this game if you tell them yeah. to put it on private. Yeah. Do not put it on private unless you want to play with like just two friends and not right. a, a fourth like stranger. This game should not be played solo on private. You would not get through missions. Um. So you know how they have, and this is just a really funny thing. You know how they have matchmaking, right? Yeah. So um, Seagull, who's a, one of my favorite streamers, I really like him. Um, he was playing Anthem on stream one day. And they were in the final mission, and there was only three of them. And then all of a sudden, a fourth person pops up. That fourth person was level three. And they're like, dude, did you just quick play? Like, did you like quick play into this? And he's like, yeah. I was into the last mission on quick play? (laughs) He's like, I thought that like quick play meant like I would just get to play the game like right Like I would, you know, just get into the game quicker. And like the guy, the people on the stream are like, you need to quit right now. This is literally the last mission of the game and is spoiling the end of the game for you. And they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. They're like, we're not mad. Just letting you know, like this is literally the last mission of the game. Okay. On this wall, like, you'll get one shot and you'll die. Yeah. Cause it was, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it was, I was like, Oh man, <laughs> like that poor dude. Yeah. Level three dude just running in there. And yeah. So anyway, that, and in some ways I feel like that kind of sums up Anthem in a nutshell. I think you're right. So. I think so. All right. I, yeah, I mean, um, I, yeah, I <laughs> I couldn't recommend this game to someone right now. I think there's just too much. There's too much of the of it's too much of an effort to have fun with it for me. You're right. I can't recommend it and I'm still going to play it. How uh, weird and, is that? And that's weird because I'm in the same boat. Oh. I can't recommend it to anyone, but I'm probably still going to play it more. So, oh, man. all right. So that is it for our final Anthem review. We promise we won't talk about Anthem much more at all. And if we do, it will be probably be a long time from now when big updates happen and all that good stuff. All right. Hey, Josh, we have, some, we have some listener questions. Do you want to jump into those? Sure. I want to start with one we got while we were recording 23 minutes ago from Super Listener Splig at Dopalicious on Twitter. Kyle hasn't even seen this yet. Uh, he says, I know I'm way late. Being sick sucks. But what was the last game to be as hyped as Wingspan has been for uh, first quarter this year? I'm dying to get it to the table, but it is fire right now. What do you think is the last game that has been this hyped as Wingspan is? I think it's Gloomhaven, I think. I think Gloomhaven was the first game for me that came to mind. It was definitely Gloomhaven. But I don't even know if that, like, Wingspan is being hyped. It's different, right? Yes, it's totally different. Like I, and if for a listener, if you're not aware, I mean, Wingspan, a game from Stonemaier Games, a game Josh talked about. He has I own a copy of Unwrapped, which is making things hard. Like this game yeah, has got <laughs> this game has got a lot of traction. It has been in some major news publications. Um, it has really um, caught not just the hobby board game world, but just the general board game player world i guess for lack of a better term kind of by surprise and obviously like the pre-orders for like the bat like the um what is the, what does stonemaier call their uh Gar- champions yeah the, the champions pre-orders sold out then they did regular pre-orders those sold out um and now if you want to get wingspan the only option right now is to go on eBay and there are literally copies of eBay uh, of wingspan on eBay with bids for over a thousand dollars. Not big it's deal. Mind blowing. <laughs> mind blowing. 
Like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I have a copy that is still in shrink, and I'm like, do I sell it? Yes, sell it. I, but I feel, but but John, you have the first edition, so you 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 have a game that needs errata. I I yeah, I do. I have, but like, <laughs> if I had purposely purchased this with this intent because I knew it was going to happen, uh-huh. we'd think I'm a jerk. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open it right now on the podcast. <laughs> I, it's not, it's not, I'm sorry. I'd have to like leave the room to go get it. That'd be really hard to do. So that's not going to happen. But yeah, I think Gloomhaven though, I think is probably the last one that had maybe this much hype that I can think of. Yes. I think Gloomhaven. So yeah. So there's your answer, Blake. Uh, Paul Calico <laughs> asked just me a question. <laughs> I have an answer for this though. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he ends it with an exclamation. Uh, what is the custodial project of Spring Break? And he says, Bonza! So, uh, I hope I didn't wake my child up. Um, <laughs> uh, well, Paul, um, we're going to be stripping and waxing floors. I know that's super exciting for everybody, but <laughs> a lot of work goes into schools that people don't know, and a lot of backbreaking work happens. So, yeah, you know, we have a lot of fun with everyone's on Spring Break. By sweating, stripping floors with toxic chemicals, cleaning them, and then putting more toxic chemicals on top of them. <laughs> How about you, Kyle? <laughs> so, when I, as I talked about um, on the DLC episode, PSVG DLC, uh, in my younger days, I worked in, in college housing, but I worked, I didn't, I didn't really supervise, but work hand in hand with the, with the uh, custodial staff in my building. And our spring break task was always, oddly enough, stripping and waxing. But specifically, mm. it was entryways and stairwells because at the time I was living in, when I worked in housing at that school, at least I was in Fargo. And obviously very rough winters, lots of salts, lots of other things. So the entryways yeah. just got destroyed over that. So that was kind of the time to strip those down, rewax all of that area and, and kind of try to make it reasonable for the summer and hope that it didn't snow again. So because we're in Fargo and it was spring break, so it probably could still snow. But yeah, so that was what we always did. So look at that. I have an answer for it. Nice. Okay, good. All right. So via Discord, Heavy Metal Riff, uh, that's Lucas, for you guys who don't know. He says, I'd like to hear more about your tabletop RPG experience. And there's a multitude of questions. What have you played? What would you like to try? If you haven't played much tabletop role-playing, why not? What appeals to you about tabletop role-playing games and what turns you off? Lucas says, uh, One I've wanted to try is the Fate system. I bought the special dice and everything. Then my buddy that was supposed to run the game never really started. We got to character creation and it fell apart, never to be played again. Lucas also is very interested in Gloomhaven because I hear his wife would play with him and I say, Lucas... Bye, Gloomhaven. <laughs> uh, Kyle, for me, I've only played Pathfinder, and it was very brief, because I think I've talked about this before. The GM, DM, was not very happy with my whimsical <laughs> play style, so I was not invited to return. Um, what would I like to try? I mean, we've talked about kids on bikes. That's always been something that I would love to learn. And I did buy my buddy... Um, Weave, which is a game uh, RPG system I would love to try and I'm hoping we will try this summer and I would guess I would classify Gloomhaven as a tabletop 
tabletop RPG experience, even though it's not a true tabletop RPG. So um, I am playing Gloomhaven. What appeals to me about tabletop RPGs? Um, I don't know. I think the camaraderie, the, the social aspect to it. Uh, what turns me off is the um, maybe the stress of doing it correctly. Like I feel like I'm obligated to do things a certain way that I might not have the tools or knowledge to do that. So I feel like the responsibility to stay focused for the GM because they do a lot of work to keep that game running. And that's really not my wheelhouse. So I think that's my turn off. It's like work to a certain degree until I find that tabletop RPG that allows me to kind of be a little bit more creative. And I don't know that there's a system out there for a GM to be able to to work around that. So I would feel guilty. Kyle, all those questions for you. Want me to name them, do them one by one, or do you have it all? <laughs> I think I can handle it. So, right. and because mine's going to be pretty brief. I've never... Like the closest I've ever gotten to really a tabletop role playing game is playing Pathfinder, the adventure card game. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've never actually sat down and designed a character and done all of those things. Uh, I really want to. The reason I never did before was just the time commitment, having a group to play with regularly, and finding people who people who could all decide on which tabletop RPG they wanted to play. You know, I have which is actually interesting now because I have a very uh, very good friend who moved from where we live now to he moved to Chicago and he plays Dungeons and Dragons like every week now. And I'm like, what the heck, dude? Like <laughs> what's what's up with this? But you know, if I were to pick one, um there are a couple. Obviously kids on bikes, much newer, but something that I'm very interested in just from a, a style wise. Uh I think that you know, Shadow Run, which is obviously pretty popular, is one that I'm definitely interested in, as why as well as uh, Vampire: The Masquerade. It seems very cool. Um, and then there actually was a Dresden Files role, tabletop role playing game, nice. um, which I think even got a, a new edition, even maybe last year. Um, and I'm a big Dresden Files fan, so I think those would probably be you know kind of the three at the top of my list. Uh, obviously, if somebody wanted to do something more, I don't want to say generic, but more broad like Dungeons and Dragons or even um, Fate, which I think is a pretty flexible uh, system, uh, I would be totally down for trying it. I just really want to try one. Like, I really want to get into a group and and have that experience because it's I feel like, a you know, from a tabletop experience, one of my biggest knowledge gaps, you know, I have video game series that I've never played. But so when it comes to tabletop, like playing a tabletop RPG is a huge knowledge gap for me. Did you hear that, Lucas? If you want to GM a group, well, we can we can probably find a way to play us Google Hangouts. Oh, RPG we totally review. could. It'd be great. <laughs> um, I did. I did want to say my dwarven rogue was Lothier McTinkletush. That was his name. <laughs> Lothier McTinkletush. That's a good name. Yeah. I don't understand why that didn't become like your name on like Xbox Live and everything. That seems so much better. No, this is way after Xbox Live. (laughs) (laughs) Change your name there. That's fine. We also walked into a room that had a fountain in it. And the first thing I did was fill my tankard with the water and drink it. And then I was poisoned. (laughs) I think that is a completely reasonable thing to do. All right. Well, hey, thanks, everyone, for all the questions. We definitely appreciate it. And while we are clearly a gaming podcast, we always want to end the show with one recommendation, suggestion, thing we are into or doing that is helping us live a well-rounded life. So, Josh, what is something you'd like to recommend to the dear listener? So I've been recommending this a lot. I I hope I didn't recommend it on the podcast. I don't recall you recommending it yet, but I could be wrong. Okay. 
So I'm going to recommend another podcast because I listen to podcasts all day, every day at work. Um, and this one kind of fits into uh, Kyle's story about the earlier where I say dumb finds a way. Uh, people do dumb things when they could do things easier, like not do what these people did and just pay a lot of money to get their kid into school. Uh, this is called Dumb People Town. That's the name of the podcast. Uh, it is uh, hosted by the Sklar Brothers and Daniel Van Kirk. Uh, they're all stand-up comedians. And what they do is they literally, they have a guest on every week, uh, usually a stand-up comedian or a celebrity or someone. My cat's going to jump on my chair in a second. Um, and uh, what they do is they have people on Twitter send them in like crazy, dumb stories, like dumb criminals essentially is what it is. They have a very strong policy. No deaths, no um, harm to animals will come from the stories either. So uh, no harm to children. They always they keep it. Uh, but I would say it is not a family-friendly podcast. There's cursing and swear, you know. Uh, but it's it's very funny. It's very uh, cathartic to listen to stories of what dumb people do. But to hear their commentary, um, they play things like guess the age or how much damage did they do. They do a lot of fun things during the thing. And, and the Sklar brothers, they've never heard the story. The only person who has heard the story is Daniel Van Kirk, who's reading them the story. So you get you get real reactions to real crimes that have happened, mostly in Florida. Um, uh, so it's really funny. It's really uh, fun, like easy, light thing to listen to that has me laughing constantly throughout my day. So if you need a quick pick-me-up, um, check out Dumb People Town, the podcast. All right. Dumb People Town. So, Josh, you know, this wouldn't be a well-rounded life segment if I wasn't recommending a documentary, right? Like, I feel like that's kind of what has to happen. So I watched a new documentary recently on Netflix, and it is called Behind the Curve. Josh, have you heard of people who believe the Earth is flat? (laughs) I thought you were going to say, am I behind the curve? I was like, yes, my whole life I've been behind the curve. (laughs) Yeah, we have a basketball player here. Uh, maybe not too much longer. Who believes that the earth is flat? Okay. So this documentary is all about flat earthers and kind of how this movement started, where it came from. And the it's a little bit about their reasoning and their logic behind it, but not so much. The documentary really isn't out to paint these pictures, paint the folks who believe this in a certain way. It's not out to necessarily um, say that they're wrong. Or say that they're misguided. It is much more focused on hearing and understanding their story, hearing and understanding how they came to the, their conclusions, learning a little bit about them as a person. And then there's a lot of interviews with experts talking about how this can happen, like how people can have um, thoughts or opinions that they believe very strongly and they hold very, very strongly to that, you know, in this case, science would say are, is unequivocally false. Okay. The documentary never says that they're wrong. They never, the documentary never says or comes out and says, yes, these people are wrong. The experts that they talk to never really come out and say that, no, these people are wrong. Do they believe the moon is flat? So here's, no, this was the thing that I thought was interesting because I had heard of people who thought the earth was flat before, but I never really knew what that meant, right? Like, I get the idea that the earth is a disk. Like, I can get that concept. 
But what they basically think, and there's actually divisions within the community, and this is a very small spoiler because they talk about this right away in the very beginning of the movie. What they believe or like what 70% of flat earthers believe is basically we are essentially in a simulation that we are basically in the Truman Show. But the, the dome is so big that we can't see it, that that's the curvature. And that's where behind the curve comes from. Okay. That is a curved dome that is over the top. So everything we see as far as the sun, the moon, the stars, all of that is just projection on that curve, on that is dome. That God thing? Are they religious people? Uh, not necessarily. Um, it's just like a, actually, a dome in, general, in, no. the, in the universe and they don't but, believe in God? that's where it gets that's where it starts to get like really deep when they start talking about like all the different and other things that they believe um i don't want to give a while northern exposure are we in a snow globe and someone's desk in a different universe well because basically what they say (laughs) is that the south pole is all around the edge and that it's basically like a game of thrones style wall that like no one can get over. I don't know that I can watch this movie, Kyle. <laughs> well, and I'll be honest, I was really skeptical about watching it, but it, like I said, it's very interesting because it's not like it's a little bit about that, but it's much, much more about how do we engage. And this is where I struggled with too: is like how do you engage with dialogue with someone who has you know a belief that's drastically different than yours? Is that you feel like irrefutably how could someone think that like that doesn't make any sense there's nothing that supports that right but what like that person very clearly has a lot of passion a lot of inquisitiveness like they had to get to that position somehow right how would this have been different if they had someone supporting them and had pulled them under their wing like into science or something like that like how different could this have been so it's a lot much it's much more focused on that. So I think if you like go look this documentary up, the ratings and stuff on it aren't the best. Like it's not going to have like it's not like a, you know, 90% of rotten tomatoes or anything like that. But I think it might be because people are approaching it like thinking it's going to be something different than it is. It is right. much more a look at like how do people get to a set of beliefs that might not be supported by science or a lot of conventional I don't want to say conventional wisdom in a lot of ways. Um, you can probably draw some some conclusions about some of these folks and you might be right. There are a number of them that are anti-vaxxers. There are a number of them oh, that, no. you know, like there, there are some of these things that that tend to kind of go together. Like they tend to believe or look at or or agree to a lot or think a lot of conspiracy theories are true. Okay? Do they think that the government fogged our water and made us gay? I, I, I So the documentary <laughs> follows like two two people the most. Um, not so much for them. Now there's a a couple people that they follow, um, less significantly though. The, I, yes, basically, yes, they do believe that. And the Bigfoot. (laughs) Uh, They never talked about that, Uh, but it it is interesting. I have so many questions for them. (laughs) I know. And I've been obviously talking about this way longer than I probably should be, but it is very interesting though, because at the end of the movie, at the very, very end of the movie, they're doing research to try to prove, like they're trying to do scientific research to prove the earth is flat. And, Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> and and I'm not going to tell you how it goes, but I will Good, say that the but I will say that their reactions probably help you understand. Like their reactions kind of okay. tell you how it goes. Uh so yeah, that's behind the curve. It is on Netflix. Like I said, I don't think from a quality standpoint, it is like going to blow your mind. It's not gonna teach you something you already knew. Like I got like 
I don't want to say angry, but I got like really worked up at a couple points. It's like, <laughs> come on. But I think, like I said, I it's a really interesting look into the way people think and how mm. people can like when you feel part of a community and when you feel a connection to others that seem to care about the same things you do, it's really easy to do what you can to protect your place in that in that space. And it's as much about those sorts of things as it is about the actual science behind whether or not the earth is flat or not. So it's pretty interesting. I really enjoyed it, actually. So, like I said, Behind the Curve on Netflix. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I'm being molested by my cat. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if that's quite the appropriate term to use in this situation, but... Well, I'm not using it in the, the... The way that most people think of it. Okay. The definition of it. <laughs> uh, okay. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in more long form or you're not feeling social media, feel free to email us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. If you're a flat earther and a listener, let us know. Uh, we tag our stuff with hashtag, hashtag board with VG. So please use that hashtag so we can see what you're up to. Uh, whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. Uh, that is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our own board with VG feed. Thank you again. Uh, we need some more reviews, so help us out there. Uh, you can find me on Xbox Live. And PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S I R R I U S. And yeah, I mean, I'm at Josh Bones on Twitter. Sometimes I post board game stuff on my Twitter, but I try to do most of it on our Twitter. Kyle, where can they find you? So you can find me at all the usual places PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Twitter, Instagram, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross. C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S I actually had someone just add me like a day ago I was pretty excited about it just be sure if you add me on any of those places you just put like board with video games or BWVG in the message just so I know you're not a bot because we still all get lots of bots as always if you have suggestions for future topics be sure to reach out to us on the social medias because we want to talk about what you want to hear about and remember everyone whether it be board games or video games never stop gaming